Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. The Debian Network Browns fans sprechen meet Browns fans. Hello, all you fine Debian folks, Debian Network listeners out there. How are you doing this evening? I am manly and loving it, and I would like you to welcome you into this show, which is a new show that we are trying here on the network. It is going to be me, manly and loving it, aka Josue, and joining me, at least for now, we'll see how he works out as a co-host. I have my reservations. <laughs> we have Mr. Easy Weave. Easy, thank you for being with me tonight. Yeah, hey, good to be on here with you, Manly. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be hosting the show, believe it or not. I'm going to try anyway. We have the working title of the show, <laughs> uh, we're calling it Hitting the Showers. It's the name I came up with, which basically uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we've had the game on Sunday. We've got another game coming up, and it gives us a little chance just to uh, for me to talk to my my friend Easy Weave about the uh, things, just a little, uh, just a little gentlemanly chit-chat. And then, um, you know, we have our respective shows that if you want to listen to uh, more of us, you can always listen to Manly by Nature and especially Easy Does It. Um, Easy. Actually, I got a... So, one thing I wanted to ask you. On your last show... Killer job not actually explaining the whole hit in the showers thing. That was good. Ask me your question, but but that was actually a really good intro. Well, I should not explain. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that later. Go ahead and ask the question. <laughs> um, so, on your last show, because you know I listened to all the network shows, and on the last show, you seemed to take offense to me and Thelonious saying that you were an eternal optimist. Now, I, I, I listened to uh, Straight No Chaser too, and he was addressing this. Now, you know, I don't. I just wanted to clarify. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I wasn't saying <laughs> that you're too optimistic. What I was, and I said that, I said, you know, easy doesn't, it's not like he doesn't see the problems, but I just think that's your personality is that you try to look at all the angles and just because we're doing bad doesn't mean that you're going to only focus on the negative. So, I mean, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you, you, I mentioned both of you guys at the outset of the, the show on Sunday, which in, in retrospect, kind of in a ham fisted way, because I was, you know, like everybody, I'm, I'm pissed off because of the game. And I didn't I don't think I properly <laughs> conveyed that um, I didn't I didn't in any way take offense to it. It wasn't it wasn't an all. I, I love Thelonious. He's 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 the, I, I love that guy. He's the best. Um, I, and the, the I, I understand, I think, what you guys were saying. I just was um, 
if I, what I was trying to do was was to um, based based on what y'all had talked about in your respective programs about this to uh, in, in like I say in my own ham fisted way to essentially buttress the point by all, by saying that you know I, I don't try to be an optimist all the time but it wasn't like these guys are calling me an optimist and it's pissing me off it was it had nothing to do with that yeah. I, I love you guys it's just it, it, I was I was just really more just clarifying where I'm coming uh, coming around on things because I as I have dis- as I've discovered about myself um, mm-hmm. a lot of times people um, think that I think things about things because I'm very opinionated and I say a lot of stuff a lot of times and sometimes it's not all the way because I do talk a lot and say a lot of things there's a lot of mm-hmm. like context in there and sometimes that doesn't get all the way out so I don't even know if I made it even clearer just giving that explanation absolutely there was no uh, yeah. nothing derogatory meant towards you or Thelonious there, there's a um, there I would say that there is a perception that you're like a bit of an optimist so I, I see what you're saying you know like I think you you feel like that on DBN that that uh People tend to think that you're going to try to that you look at everything with rose-colored glasses, and that's not not necessarily the case. I mean, but I think all the that was the thing I talked about on on my show a couple of weeks ago was, I think anybody if you're doing um, a podcast or something like that where you're trying to uh, look at the Browns in an objective way because you need to discuss it, you know, it, I mean. I think if you only look at it as like, all right, well, now we're one in this. Now we're one in 25. Now we're one in 26. You know, well, here's that's there's no there's no, you know, substance to that. Anybody can just look at the the freaking record and just say what it is every week. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's I mean, let me let me try to unpack it a little bit, because it's it's. Yeah, I, I, I do tend to be a glass-half-full type guy just generally. It is my personality. I do try to be a, a – but it's really more along the lines of I've, – look, I've been, I've been watching this team – I've been watching this team now for over 25 years, and most of that time has been just, I mean, a god-awful product on the field. I yeah. know this. I have seen. I have just like everybody that's listening that has has got as much you know longevity as I do. I watched all of these drafts all over the. I, I mean, I remember us selecting Jeff Fain, you know, in the first round. I remember all of that happening, and I see where we are right now. And I and I also acknowledge things like like the Carson Wentz thing is something that that everybody is hot and bothered about these days, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a major source of consternation for a lot of people. And okay. yeah, along the, with the, the man looks good. He looks he fan- looks he looks fantastic. Really good. He looks Looks, he looks like a first ballot Hall of Famer right now. You know, I mean, and he, he made a play that they showed after the uh, during halftime of our game or something, where he like he had three defenders coming at him, basically free defenders, and he was rolling to his or not really, he was kind of moving to his left, and he he faked him out and spun around and ran to the right and threw like a perfect pass. It was just one of those things where you're just like. Oh, I've never seen a Browns quarterback do that that smoothly. You know what I mean? That effortlessly. Yeah, and and that's and and people see that, and I and I get it. I understand. There's a lot of uh, buyer's remorse on the trade that we made with the Eagles on all of that. But my, from my standpoint on that is, look, I, I don't I don't know if you remember this, but I wrote extensively about this. I I talked with everybody about it as it was going on. I really, 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 really wanted us to draft either one of those guys. I liked Goff and I liked Wentz. I liked Wentz a little bit. Of course bit. I remember. Yeah, I, I liked Wentz a little bit more, but I liked both guys, and I really, 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 really wanted us to draft either one of those. Now, they didn't yeah. do 
do that. It would therefore be really easy for me to sit here and say, those sons of bitch, they should have listened to what I had to say because I was right. And they, But my here's my way of looking at it. And, and maybe this is a, a distinction without a difference, but it's not that I try to look at every situation and say, and, and disregard all the negative and say, how do I find the positive in this? It's just, it's it, 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 what it really is, is I look at the situation as, you know, in total. And I say, okay, the Wentz trade or the the trading out of the, the number two pick overall, we shouldn't have done that. Um, it's mm-hmm. a it, that that was a mistake. Um, drafting guys like Johnny Manziel or Justin Gilbert, that was a mistake. But even when they were on the roster, okay, the, the decision was made, and now here we are. So okay, bad stuff happened, and you know, people were responsible for it, and there were you know consequences of that of those results. The question to my mind is always okay. Now what? What do you do about it? All right, so yeah. we screwed something up. So what do you do about it? And from my standpoint, you know, it, it, it doesn't serve anybody any good. It certainly has not served us any good to constantly answer that question with, well, the people that we have in charge suck, so we got to fire everybody. My, I, I, I've made the argument for years, literally years now that I think that it's quite a bit more nuanced than that in terms of how we... So if, at that point, if the knee-jerk reaction is, or if if you're going to avoid the knee-jerk reaction, I should say, and not go immediately to, we have to fire everybody, using this example, well then, I think it it is therefore incumbent upon you to then take a look at what is there and say, all right, what do we have to work with? What do we have to work with and how could this possibly turn out to where there is something for us to look forward to here? Because if it all that it is... Is just us coming to to the to the chow every day, or us going to uh, watch the, the the games every Sunday, and we're just going to be pissed off for the rest of our lives? Okay, and 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 that's just it. Like we're just like the only reason we are Browns fans is to be miserable. And I understand that for a lot of us, that, that, has, that is a few people. Yeah, there are. And and I'm, look at honestly, there are. And I this is not. I'm not. I, I'm not saying this right with anybody in mind. There is not a single person that, as I say this, at least not anybody that we know, um, people that I have known in my lifetime that I can say this about. But it absolutely is true of people predominantly. I should say it is more predominant in northeastern Ohio, uh, certainly than it is where I'm from, where I'm living in right now. And that is, there are some people that are not happy unless they're miserable. And I know a lot yeah. of those people are fans of the Cleveland Browns for exactly that reason. And look, the Browns give year after year every reason in the world uh, to. There was a guy I'm not going to mention his name because uh, I don't remember who he is, but he went. Uh, he's he's a prominent guy um, on a Cleveland sports station. He had an epic meltdown the other day, going off about about Hugh Jackson. Now look. I, I can sit here, and I I have all year long, I have pointed out all sorts of things that Hugh Jackson has done and said, and moves that he's made, and decisions that he's, and, you know, quarterback decisions and all this, and have pointed out along the way why I don't think it was right, why I don't agree with it. But at the same time, the guy's the coach. And there's not really a whole lot to be gained out of just flaming on the guy for, because at the end, we're either going to fire the guy, or we're going to keep the guy. 
And if we're going to keep the guy, I admit that he has, you know, not had a good run to this point. He certainly has not had a good season from a from a game management standpoint. Whether he's had a good season as a coach is a different question because mm. I think that, you know, well, what, he hasn't had a good season for in a lot of ways in my opinion. Sure. Play calling, game sure. management. Absolutely. I, I no no two ways about that. So then the question becomes, what do you do about that? Do you and, and if the answer is, okay, we're just going to fire him and bring in somebody else. All right, then we can have that conversation. But if we're not going to do that, well then let's have then maybe what the one way that we can look at this is what are the ways that he could improve can he improve are the things that he's deficient at things that he could get better at next season or the season after that i don't know that i think the things that he's bad at are i mean game management possibly but i think a lot of the things that i take umbrage with are just personality things i don't know that he's going to change on those um do you think so are you still you know you had said in your show a couple weeks ago that pretty much barring finishing 0 16 you were on board with going into the next season with the same organization in place basically the same front office the same coaching staff i was on that train for a while and now i'm more leaning but it's not that i think we have to fire hugh but i am of the opinion that at the end of the season there are things that Hugh has done and just things that I, you know, you don't, you, you'd never know 100%, but that I, I attribute to Hugh, like when, you, you know, you're hearing things in the press about the coaching staff is saying this and, and Hugh's daughters on Twitter saying this, a lot of those things, it's, it's, it's relatively safe to say that he is part of that, especially when you listen to his press conferences, because it's a lot of CYA, you know, and it's a lot of, you know, we don't have the personnel in place for this. I, you know, I, I wasn't going to make this call because we're, we're not equipped to do that and all this. So, like, I've soured on Hugh to a large extent. But I think at the end of the year, they, they have to look at, the front office has to look at, going forward, we've, you know, there's obviously been issues, right? The A.J. McCarron thing, I mean, Sashi, Sashi, he did a good job of kind of explaining it in the press conference, kind of making it seem like a, not a big deal. There obviously is – has – has been maybe not going forward but there obviously has been some disagreement uh, w- w- between the coaching staff and the front office they've talked of the coaching staff has said that there were certain players in the draft that they wanted they didn't get i think i read that earlier today but if they feel like hugh jackson can come around and be like just I, but i don't see so the thing is i don't think hugh can i don't think he can be just the coach i think you know i think it made so much sense or i think it only made sense that uh, that's not the right way to put it. I think looking at it, I was like, all right, if they they're bringing in, you know, Paul and Sashi and these guys that, whether or not you really believe that they're doing something completely different that the NFL has never done, which I, you know, obviously I think there's been a lot of analytics used and stuff like that. Right. But it would it would seem like okay, well, whatever coach they're hiring is going to have to be a guy that's on board with that, right? Because it's it's such a publicized thing of they're bringing in a guy from baseball that's really into processes and all this, and you know, it seems like they're going to take a, a very d- different approach than the quote traditional football approach to free agency and stuff like that in the draft. So it, it would seem like okay, it's a no brainer that whatever coach they're going to bring in has to be on board with that. But it seems to me that Hugh came in thinking, okay, well, they're bringing in these guys that maybe aren't like established football guys. And then I, so I can like have more of a say, which I think is the complete opposite of, of what it would seem like he came in for. But you just look at the things he's done and the things he, the way he's explained things and the way he seems to be throwing the front office under the bus on occasion. Uh, and he seemed, I mean, he seems to be a player's coach, like his players play for him and like him, but he seems to throw his players under the bus too when he talks about, 
certain things with Kaiser or with uh, the way they're not equipped to do things. They're, they're ba- he's basically saying we don't have a roster that I can win with. So he's basically saying my players are shit in a certain way. You know what I mean? Or that he can't rely on them in certain situations to do the things you need to do. Yeah, um, but it's his job to put people in situations where they can succeed. You know, certainly. And and the the you know, I, I would my my default position here is to defend the guy. Uh, but honestly, he's done a lot of things that that warrant very you know relevant and righteous criticism. And you know, to answer your your uh, you know, your, your first um, the, 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 what you started out saying there, you know, if, if we <laughs> if we were to to you know finish the year at Owen sixteen, um, you know, he he made a big deal about last year in the final press conference. Oh, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing one in fifteen again. Uh, you know, I'm going to go jump in that lake before then. You know, if if somehow there could be enough levity in a post Owen 16, you know, post game presser for him to say, well, hey, look, I told you all I wasn't going to do 15, one and 15 again. And he was able to, you know, do it with some sort of I, I'm saying that for me personally, I would even support keeping him together even in that scenario. At the same time, I understand that that's probably not practical and, and not, you know, realistic. But at the same time, a lot of what you're saying about Hugh is is right. He he is exhibiting a, a lot of uh, he's he's exhibiting the things that that a few people were worried about uh, in the sense of like there were stories about when he was in Oakland trying to kind of gain too much influence too quickly, and it you know it seems to be that's the thing he's doing and it i mean i don't personally i don't really care necessarily if we finish zero and 16 or if we finish three and 13 or whatever i to me it's more about is he going to be in line with the plan you know what i mean like to me i I don't really care if we get rid of hugh (laughs) like i don't think it matters that much on our team right now because we have so many young players you know we we're we've we've i don't care what any what people say i mean i do i pay attention (laughs) to what people say i don't necessarily care about their opinions (laughs) that people say we've we've drafted poorly i mean we've obviously drafted players that contribute you can say well at the end of the day they're not winning games but i mean and you and you could even say well it doesn't matter if they contribute like if they're contributing on a crappy team you don't know if they're good or not you know what i mean because if you're playing on a bad team even if you're decent you're going to stand out but i mean i think we have players that have been brought in in the last two years that you know, going forward can help us significantly improve. And I think the core of the team is young enough that if you got rid of Hugh and brought in somebody else, I don't think it would really matter so much as keeping in place the people that are, you know, really the conductor of the train as far as what direction the franchise is going as, as far as player development, player retention, you know, drafting, free agency. I think, you know, if you bring in that, I mean, there's so many – like I said, people get tie, uh, get too wrapped up on oh we need we need a guy that you know is a good coach meaning we need a guy whose name I recognize but there are uh, tons of good coaches out there you know what I mean it's just picking it's can you you know identify the guy that's going to come in and um, be I think we need somebody that's that says you give me whatever players you want to give me and I'll coach them to be the best they can be and put them in the best situations not you know well I. I 
right now I don't have the guys I need. I need guys like this to win. It's like, well, then then you're not a good coach, in my opinion. You're not yeah. a good head coach. And if you look at, I mean, this this week there has been a lot. I mean, in, on the on the Chow especially, there's been a lot, a lot of attention paid to the play calling specifically in the red zone. And it, it's it's kind, of, it's kind of it's kind of a double edged sword because I, I haven't looked at the Chow in like weeks. But. Well, but I mean, it's the, if you just watch the game, obviously there was you know we, yeah. we and I made a jo- I made a wonderful joke about it. I have to say on twitter oh oh really i got yeah so the uh there's a guy i forget what is his name let me pull up the twitter oh, that guy yeah he's he's awesome they, yeah that guy he uh he was showing a gif or a gif or whatever of uh or a little video of the patriots they ran this very um uh x there's there's an e-word i'm trying to think of and i don't know what it is intricate i get that's not an e-word but they ran an intricate goal line play where they had like three people shift they had like Gronkowski move out or something, and then they had the two other tight ends move, and then they've sent another guy. And all these things, and it was for like a one-yard touchdown that just ended up being like the fullback running a little simple route. But it was like you know so much like window dressing. Yeah. And it was it was a guy on he's on like NFL Network or something that showed it and uh, you know showed it and said, "Wow, this what a play call or whatever." And I I, I responded. <laughs> I like talking about myself like I'm the biggest douche in the world. I responded <laughs> that uh, he would have just ran four verts, and uh, he wrote back, that's funny, and it made me happy. Well, that's good. I mean, that's, that's you know, positive. Because that was funny, right? Because like, he would run like four verts from the one-yard line. It does, seem, like, it does seem like when, when he gets down there, when he gets inside the 20-yard line, the offensive game plan does get – now, look, it, it, part of this could very well be that for the first, you know, five, six, seven, eight games – um, every time we would get down in that situation, and I mean, maybe not every time, but I mean, I, I'm not uh, exaggerating when I say 65, 70% of the time that we get down in those situations, Kaiser throws an interception. So it's entirely possible that Hugh has. Although he's, he's improved that. I mean, when you say, I mean, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Taking that away from him, but he, I mean, at the beginning of the year, yeah, every time they got in the red zone, you were like, fuck. But he's but gotten, but he has lately, gotten, he's, yeah. he, he has definitely, and, and Kaiser is, it, see now, that's, that's kind of part of this whole equation here. Kaiser has, I think, shown improvement from the beginning of the season up until now. Is it yeah. enough to say that you know he is definitely the guy moving forward? I'm not ready to make that commitment, but at the same time, if that improvement happened, well, Hugh Jackson was a part of that. Hugh Jackson, you know, caused that to happen in some way. I know that people will discount that because they think that he's just, you know, he doesn't know anything he's talking about when it comes to quarterbacks and he's handled the situation so terribly. Look, I was def- I was the biggest cheerleader when Hugh uh, benched Kaiser for Hogan in the Jets game, I think it was. At that point, I was like, "This this whole thing is probably going to collapse right now. This is the dumbest decision he could have made." And I, my projection at the time was that you were going to wreck Kaiser's psyche so much you can't do this. In fact, that was when you came along and we, yeah, we, we began yeah, and this I came along and I gave everybody. Yes, peace of my mind. Yeah, you, you, you. It's not you, that big of a deal you, if handled properly. And in this case, it appears to have been handled properly because yeah, Kaiser, I'm always right. Well, in this, well, Kaiser has yes. proven the one thing that that people were, I think, one of the things that people were uh, concerned about him coming out of Notre Dame because of the Brian Kelly experiment or experience was that he was going to be just a a mental problem in the NFL that he wouldn't be able to handle the pressure and he could it could be an issue. I have what I've seen so far this year out of Kaiser in terms of his mental toughness to be able to withstand all of this and then go out and improve i think is well, a really especially strong considering the the in my opinion especially considering the positions he was putting i don't think he has done a good job of putting kaiser in the best positions 
for success with like his play calling and the way he's handled him at times. But I think it, if we had a different coach that didn't seemingly dislike Kaiser. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I, mean I know he says, oh, he, Kaiser can be a franchise QB or whatever, but I don't think he really believes that. And I think um, if Kaiser survives the season and goes into next year being in the quarterback room, you know, along with whether it's a, a, a draft pick or a free agent signing or whatever, um, I think it could be a good thing that he's faced so much adversity and been put in bad situations where like, you know, like the Jaguars game at the end where they had those two fumbles. Those were in my mind. I talked about on my show. Those were so much on Hugh for putting him in those situations where you got Drango and Sean Coleman. I mean, you know, Drango played pretty well first when he first had to come in and Sean Coleman, I feel like has had a good year as a first year starter, um, but putting that. them in that position and making, Kaiser in a two in two two separate basically I don't know if the first one was within the two minutes but basically two separate two minute drills he basically left Kaiser out there to get killed by making him do like a nine step drop where he had to read the whole field and sit there you know what I mean while he's got two young tackles trying to handle you know speed edge rushers and all this stuff but I just feel like he's put him in bad situations so if he if he survives this I feel like he will be mentally no, he's, good he's, position. Ready, he's ready to you know go I mean? as far as that no i i look at your what you just said is i i would say look at yeah, yeah that's my favorite word um <laughs> I, I have to always mention it actually my favorite word is furthermore because of navi but the the uh one thing about my favorite word is titties. What, what you just said is probably the overwhelming um majority view for people that frequent you know the chow and dogs money i mean everybody agrees or, or everybody says i don't know that everybody's in agreement but that hugh is a ter- you know terrible play caller and that he's hurt kaiser's development because of that the, the problem i have with that analysis is that i've seen i don't know 75,000 drop passes this year and about three quarters of them by your boy uh, ricardo lewis but yeah i'm just which actually you know i it's i i, I yeah every show you you open it by crapping <laughs> on my man every show i'm just Wait, I'm you like, know, all right. When is when is the point where he's where Easy is going to go? Damn, Ricardo Lewis dropped another pass today. Although you know what, uh, Sammy Coates made a nice play a couple of weeks back. I haven't heard him from him since, but he did make a nice play a couple of weeks. Well, he got back. hurt. Yeah, that's right. He did, he got hurt on that play. But okay, so what I'm saying is that if if Hugh is putting Kaiser in the not the best position to to succeed, then how do you explain receivers that are getting open and Kaiser getting the ball into their hands just bouncing off of them? I mean, to me, that's not a that that's not a scheme issue. That's not a um, a coaching issue. That's an execution issue. That's a the receiver's got to catch the damn ball. Corey Coleman's got to catch that t- touchdown on Sunday. And Corey yeah. Coleman is just the latest. I mean, Kenny Britt, he's been who has actually been coming on as of late, which is nice. Uh, but at the beginning of the year, he was just dreadful. And Kaiser, I mean, look, I'm not saying that Kaiser gets a pass on you know his own uh, bad decisions and bad plays and inaccuracy that he's exhibited at various times. But the poor guy has gotten like no help at all from his yeah. pass catchers and yeah to some extent well, the the play calling yeah. and well, most recently I would, ex- at- I would explain that as or i would say that it's uh, the, two, the two aren't mutually exclusive you know what i mean there can be bad play calling and in the instances where kaiser is able to get the ball to the receiver they make they're not making plays you know what i mean like you it can be both in that he's not putting them in great positions and then i mean eventually if you throw enough balls to receivers you're going to hit them in the hands a few times if you've got any kind of nfl arm you know what i mean so well, he's definitely i mean i see what, i mean yeah, i do see what you're saying but i mean i, I still just me watch like although to, i'm actually i got I, I came into some money today so i'm going to get 
the uh, NFL thing tonight so that I can start watching the All-22. But just on my initial viewing, I feel like he's been put in a lot of bad positions, and it just so happens when he actually is able to you know make a decent play and get the ball to the receiver half the time they're dropping it yeah you know? not quite half but a lot i mean and it's and that's yeah. and, and well, that's, somebody put a stat it was like between like 10 and 19 yards from the line of scrimmage like that intermediate area we're dropping like our drop rate or catch rate excuse me is like 66 percent yeah actually yeah, like dead last in the nfl by a lot i mean the next closest yeah, team like is ten, like almost 10 percentage points exactly right? yeah no it, it, it's it's crazy it's probably it, Look, this whole year I've been um, describing it and not jokingly as quite possibly the worst wide receiving core of all time. And I'm look, I'm the guy that I'm all, that is always saying, you know what, you don't really need um, superstar wide receivers. You need a good quarterback, you know, and basically he's going to make your receivers. Look, I, I don't. I'm not uh, 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 backtracking on that. At the same time, you can't throw a rookie quarterback out there with the worst wide receiving group of all time. I'm not saying that they're the most important part, but you can't throw absolute garbage out there and expect well, for they, they they've got to be able to get separation sometimes, and they got to be able to catch the ball. That's right. You know, they don't have to be. They don't all have to be Jerry Rice, but you know, yeah, they've or, got to or, be or physical average. specimens like Des Bryant or or Calvin Johnson or somebody like that. And and the reason that this always comes up is because when we get in the, into the offseason discussions, it's about well, we need to get a number one wide receiver and we need to have this. And my point on that has always been, no, you need to get like a guy. A, a really good example is a guy like Robert Woods, who played for the Buffalo Bills and was you know he was okay. And in the offseason, he signed a ma- a mega deal to go to the Rams, and everybody was like. What the hell are they signing him all this money for? A guy like him and his production to go to the – well, you see what he does with a young quarterback, like a good young quarterback like Jared Goff, and the guy is a superstar out there because he went, he was, he went to a place with a much, much, much better passer. Thus, all of a sudden, he's the superstar wide receiver. That I mean, he's been injured the last couple of weeks, but – I'm saying that's an example of somebody that before this year, I mean, yeah, generally considered to be a good receiver, but not he he has overperformed what people's expectations were of him, and people's expectations of him were predicated on the lousy quarterback play that he's gotten the last. I mean, not you know to to crap on uh, Tyrod Taylor you know too much or the other people mm-hmm. that they've had there in Buffalo but it's a much much difference and that's generally yeah. speaking about wide receivers that your your passing game generally is going to be way more dependent on the quarterback than it is the receiving core but it's a huge exception when you got guys that are damn near sabotaging the effort which yeah. has been going on all year this receiving core this whole receiving core effort is worse than 2013 and 2013 was when we had both Greg Little and Devon Bess on the team at the same time. And this well, yeah, but we had we had Jordan Jordan Gordon catch 1600 yards. So that's that helps. true. Well, yeah. yeah, that's that's actually that that's that's a, that's a very good point. Have you been on Twitter lately? You know, I frequent uh, every once in a while. Should, uh, I don't hang out as much as I should. follow the GBN network. I do Twitter. follow it. Of course, I follow oh, okay. the GBN. But, but if <laughs> have you're you seen the the pin tweet I have on there? Uh, I have to. Uh, you know what? I haven't. I have, I'm I trying to get people to follow us on Twitter. I wrote, Ricardo Lewis has dropped more balls this year than puberty. Well, there you I go. thought that was pretty good. You know, yeah. So see, I can get on my man too. It's all in love, but I can I can give him. I thought that was a great line. Damn it! <laughs> well, I thought of that and I just started laughing. Look, I don't I don't want to hate on Lewis. I just want him to start. It's like Kenny Britt. I just want the guy to start catching the damn ball. I just want you know. And if he does that, I mean, Lewis is a guy that's got he's got great size. He's got great speed, and we've seen him get separation on guys all year long. Just catch the damn ball. Mm-hmm. And if he could do that, but look, I mean, is that? I, mean, not- I think you know. He's just he can't be. 
I mean, he could improve, but, you know, most times guys' hands don't necessarily get better. Um, well, that's – yeah, and the same thing is true of accuracy. You know, if a quarterback's yeah. got really bad accuracy, that doesn't – You know, I wonder if um, – I mean, well, let me get back to Ricardo real quick. I, I think he could be really good if he is the third best – you know, if he's like the X and you've got Gordon on the other side and you've got Corey Coleman like in the slot or, you know, and you switch him up sometimes and you put Ricardo Lewis in the slot. You know, if I think if he's, you know, if he's not, I don't know. But the thing is, then when you're throwing the ball, if he if he's the third option or the first option, she drops it half the time, it doesn't matter, huh? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I mean, at this but, uh, point, I wouldn't I care would... if the guy ran a 5-5 five five. as long as he could catch yeah. the damn ball. I, 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 I'd put him on the field. You know, I think Danny Shelton ran a five-five, but I mean, hell, I, I probably would run about a six-two at this point. So, um, yeah, I wonder. You know, you're talking about receivers, and doesn't matter that much, or you know, I'm gonna say, I wonder, like, you know, because you look at New England, right? And you've got Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman, guys that aren't physical specimens necessarily, but you know, have good quickness and that stuff. And and they're, you know, they the last several years, you know, whoever Brady's receivers are generally have good years and stuff. Right. I wonder if. Aaron, I mean this. I mean, obviously they're both great quarterbacks, but I wonder if Aaron Rodgers was on the Patriots for the last ten years, like would would they have had like? Because I feel like Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league that doesn't have like a good supporting cast most of the time. Like you know, Randall Cobb's okay, Jordan Nelson's okay when he's not hurt, Devontae Adams looks you know has done okay, but. I don't know. I, I don't like their. I just I love Aaron Rodgers, and I feel like he's been like the the uh victim of like bad coaching a lot kind of like with kaiser and although i don't think kaiser is aaron Rodgers, obviously but i just wonder like you know it's fun to think about those things sometimes like what would it be like if tom brady was on the colts and Peyton manning was on the patriots or aaron Rodgers was on the patriots like would they have you know if you've got two is it really that like tom brady is able to elevate all these guys or is it that because bill belichick is is probably the best coach ever that if he had you know, anybody. You know, Brock Osweiler could look could be, you know, a league average quarterback possibly on the Patriots. You know what I mean? Would Would Aaron Rodgers have five Super Bowl rings if he was in Brady's position, or you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it, I think that if you were to take any of those guys that you mentioned, uh, you know, Peyton or, or Rodgers or whoever, and pair them with Belichick, then yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that Brady is the. I think that because of his accomplishments, Brady is the best quarterback of all time. But I think that the reason he has those accomplishments is because he's paired with the best coach of all time. And I think that he – well, I'm not going to say the best coach of all time because the best coach of all time was Paul Brown. But right after him, I would put Belichick and, you know, a couple of other guys that are kind of right there, um, you know, Lombardi and, and uh, um, <clears throat> Bill Walsh and Chuck Knoll, a couple of those guys. But Don Shula can't can't leave him out of there. But but if you were to take a guy like Rodgers, put him with a guy like Belichick, yeah, I think that he would be. I think a more interesting question is what would a guy – you know, Peyton Manning had this great career. What would Tom Brady have looked like if he had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, you know, his ent- and then other guys that they just threw in along the way, like, you know, Brandon Stokely yeah. and Dallas Clark and, and those guys. You're right. I mean, uh, Rodgers hasn't had – Rodgers basically goes out there 
there with whoever, you know, every single year, Jordy yeah. Nelson and whoever the hell, and it could be James Jones. You know, it's been Randall Cobb the yeah. last couple of years. It was uh, and half the time his lead receiver, whoever it is, blows out their knee halfway through the season. Yeah, and you know so what I mean. Somebody else. There's so many comes times in. where you're like, who the hell is his offensive line? Who the, who's that receiver that he's throwing to? It's just, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. Every game you watch, it seems like a different player that you've never heard of gets a touchdown. Yeah, the know? guy. There was an injury. I think uh, Adams got hurt, and then Geronimo Allison came in and, and and lit it up. Of course, I like Geronimo Allison. I saw him last year at the um, at the uh, East West Shrine game. I don't know who that is. He's he's a receiver for the Packers. But to your point, uh, he's just some he's just some guy that they ended up picking up. I think in like the fifth or sixth round, and that ended up being like their third or fourth you know receiving option. But point is, is that you can win with that. And the Packers, you know, have been a competing team for a lot of years. The Patriots have won Super Bowls with the likes of Julian Edelman and then years past Deion Branch and guys that were I'm not saying they yeah. weren't good receivers. And that's that's I mean, when I talk about this, it's uh, it's uh, it comes across like I don't like or I don't appreciate or I don't think that wide receivers are in any way important. That's not that. It well, isn't. It's just it's hard to know exactly how good julian edelman is because he's always played with tom brady right. you know what i mean and look at like, what jordy nelson is doing right now okay if jordy nelson looks like any of the swinging you know what quarterback or wide receivers that we've had on our team for the last however he looks like brian hartline right now and yeah. and it's because the guy that's throwing him the ball just isn't you know up to that level but when rogers is in the game all of a sudden he's one of the most dynamic you know wide receivers that's in the game and i think that yeah. that makes a huge difference obviously what do you think if Kaiser – here's a question for you. If Kaiser either finishes the year playing like much like he has the last few weeks where you know he, he plays a, you know, a little better one week, then the next week he throws a couple of bad picks, then the week after that he plays a little better, either that or you know, he just kind of progresses a little bit for the rest of the year. And then say we draft somebody – in the uh, first or second round next year, whether it's Mayfield or Jackson or, you know, even some like third, fourth round QB, um, you know, what at this point, what would you say we would should do as far as the uh, QB room? If like, would you be a proponent of just sitting one of the guys and saying, all right, we're going to go with the, the first, the, you know, if we take Baker Mayfield, number one, we, we're going to go with him and Kaiser you know, you sit or whatever, or would you be more of a proponent? Because, you know, that always seems to be a huge thing because it looks like, right, most people, you know, you were talking earlier about drafting QBs like last year and trading down and stuff. But, I mean, almost unanimously, every everybody I saw on DBM wanted to take a quarterback in the first round, you know what I mean, whether it be golf or Wentz or if it was Paxton Lynch or one of the other guys. I mean, everybody pretty much wanted Connor Cook to take yep. Yeah, Connor Cook. Yeah, so if anybody is, you know, says I forgot what you were t- how you were putting it, but you said something basically that was like some people are saying whatever. Like we, everybody wanted to draft a QB, and going into this next offseason, it seems like even if you're kind of on board with Kaiser in the sense of you see that he's improving and stuff, you know, most people are on board with us drafting a quarterback. So I'm just wondering how we're going to because it, it seems almost certain right that we're going to have a quarterback from the top four rounds or something in the room with kaiser yeah um, i would say so, so i'm man. wondering what you would say how we would well in the first, i'm a bad host man. <laughs> you, you, you that's a loaded question only because it's got a lot of uh, a lot a lot of uh, facets to it um I, I, will, I will answer the first part of it and i'm not necessarily tying 
um, how Kaiser performs for the rest of the year to what I think that he could be or what we should be doing with the quarterback position um, in any direction. Other than if Kaiser goes out there and the way that Hugh is playing things right now, which is interesting in and of itself, the way that the game, the, the, the whole game plan is going right now, Kaiser has to go out there and damn near light it up like a you know third or fourth year pro in order for us to win games, which we obviously haven't done. Yeah. Well, if that happens, okay, and he ends up playing us out of being really in contention for the – which at this point he'd have to win out the rest of the year almost for that to happen, as yeah. stacked as this quarterback class looks coming up – well, then that kind of right there puts you in a position where you say, okay, well, they, he did, he kind of performed at a level that we weren't even expecting. And I think at that point, he's played us into a spot where it kind of makes our decision for us. Now, I'm not saying that I expect that to happen um, or that even it's terribly likely. But in the, in, in, in viewing both what we, can do should do and what we are likely to do and what i want us to do i mean those are all you know varied things you know if let's say that the season finishes how most of us expect it to we either don't win a game or we only win one or two games at that point Mm -hmm. it's extraordinarily likely that we're going to have the top pick or you know the top two picks right now the only team i think that's really within our 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 striking distance of us would be the niners and maybe the bears uh no i I don't even think they are at this point Uh, what's the giants record so i think i think the giants have won two games Uh, it probably would be good if i actually like brought up the standings here in front of me point is is that if if it goes down like that if we don't have the first pick we're going to have um you know one top three basically yeah we're going to be right there so if that that's the case i almost don't care what kaiser has done this year from mm-hmm. the standpoint of if there's a quarterback that we like and of course i i like i like i love the big three right now and for me the big three in order is baker mayfield josh rosen and lamar jackson i love all three of those guys and for me yes no doubt about it i would draft any of those guys is rosen the uh, ucla or the usc kid yeah he's, he's the, a ucla right ucla the U- the USC kid is uh, Sam Darnold, and there's a question as to whether he's going to enter the NFL draft. There's some uh, scuttlebutt, really BS out there. That, yeah, I love scuttlebutt. That's a good word. Yeah, he, well, there, there. The word on the street is that he has uh, no stick with scuttlebutt. Well, yeah. he the, the 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 rumor is that he went and uh, reportedly said he would go back to USC if the Browns ended up with the number one pick. But he is kind. He, well, he's not only walked that back; he's essentially recently kind of you know said it was just flat out bogus it yeah, was I mean, they said the same thing about watson you know right so i mean the, the they always i mean it's all maybe he did mention something like that like oh jesus i hope the browns don't take me but but he may not know. even come out anyway is the point Dar- darnold yeah. is a is a wild card as far as that goes and and as such i, I haven't really spent a whole lot of time looking at him i've and Honestly, if he's in the same, there's plenty of time. Yeah, there yeah. is plenty of time. And if he, if I look, if if crack open the tape and he looks as good as any of the three guys that I just mentioned, then this may be a legendary quarterback class. Because seriously, the the guys that we are looking at right now, um, you compare it to the last two quarterback classes. You know, last year I really liked uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, we're looking at Mitch Trubisky and Deshaun Watson and uh, who else we had? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, uh, Kaiser obviously and and uh, Josh Dobbs mm-hmm. and and guys like that. You're looking at this at this class right now. The four guys that I just mentioned, and then you throw in guys, a lot of people like Josh Allen, and uh, BTB really loves the kid uh, uh, Finley over at uh, NC State. You've got uh, Ryan Finley, and then you've got um, 
the kid at uh, your guy Auburn. Um, is it uh, Stitchum, uh, the, the quarterback there? Um, yeah, yeah. That, he's not. Uh, he, he's not coming out though. I don't think is he? I, is he. He's not a senior. I don't think. I'm not sure about that. But let me pull it up. But the the point is, is that there are probably going to be wherever we draft and maybe even with the houston pick there's going to be somebody there most likely that's worthy okay stidham Stidham, there you go it's so weird for us to have a qb that like is projected to be drafted it happens like once every 10 15 years auburn i mean we all we you know we usually have good teams or you know competitive teams and stuff but we always like we always had the worst not the worst quarterbacks because i mean nick marshall was very successful for us but he wasn't an NFL quarterback, you know what I mean? We just always had these guys. He was that, drafted to play cornerback. Don't in the project. NFL. Yeah, he was drafted for to be a DB. You know? By the way, um, I mean it's totally appropriate talking about this right now to congratulate you and the Auburn Tigers on winning the old Iron Bowl. Uh, last yeah, that day. was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, no, good, good, good. The, good, old, uh, the old Iron Bowl. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm uh-huh. a, my SEC team is the Gators, so I you know have equal hate for both of those uh, squads. So, I, but in this in this era, um, basically anytime anybody beats Alabama, it's a good thing so you know kudos to you for that and any era yeah well that's fine um but then also could put you guys right in the national championship we don't need to talk about college football unless you want to but um i just i just wanted to throw that out there because it's 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 well deserved and earned and and that's really what's got everybody going uh, all crazy about uh stidham because yeah i love i love being the I loved when Auburn is like the thorn in people's sides, you know. Um, well, especially yeah, I mean, Bama. That that makes my like honestly, it makes the entire year. I was trying to explain this to Tracy because, you know, she doesn't get the whole college football thing, and I'm like, baby, you don't understand. Like this makes everything okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, not everything. just football wise, everything. Yeah, not just every, not just football. Every it makes it okay that the Browns suck. Not, you know, more or less, not trying to get the ire of the Browns fans, but it makes it much more easy to swallow. It makes it okay that, like, you know, if you're broke, if, you know what I mean, if your grandma died, whatever it is, you're like, <laughs> Auburn beat Alabama. Like, we made Auburn, I mean, Alabama fans cry. Like, it's, it's like- more important beating Alabama than it is. Like, if we lose in the SEC championship game, it'll be like, yeah, that sucks. It's like that one but, time we beat Pittsburgh really badly. That's how, remember how, remember how everybody felt that day? That's, that's what you're describing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an unbelievable feeling because it doesn't happen very often, and that's not to you know to um, talk trash on, on Auburn. They're does. just Alabama's just you know crazy good right now. For we beat them seven years in a row. Yeah, the, but that was like ten 2000s. years ago. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. was like a long ass. So, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, Cam beat them. <laughs> Nick Marshall beat them. Stidham beat them. Well, anyway, congratulations on that. And um, although hopefully, if Carryon Johnson isn't able to play, then oh my god. That's such a huge blow to us because we already don't have uh, Petway who looked like – I mean, he's more of like a uh, – I hate to bring this name up. He's more of a Peyton Hillis type runner, Petway is. But, I mean, he looked like one of the best running backs in the country, yep. you know, although he has like a bruising style. Of course, Peyton And then Hill. this year, Carrion Johnson's obviously been one of the best running backs in the country. So for both those guys to be out just in time for the SEC championship is like, ugh. Yeah. But, I mean, beating the number one team in the country in two of the last three weeks is – like I said, it makes the whole, especially because Georgia. People may not know Georgia is 
our biggest rival other than Alabama. Like it's called the <laughs> oldest rivalry in the South. Like we've played them for like 120 years or whatever. People hate um, the SEC. People people that listen to this to, to this network, I, I would say in large should. majority I really hate the SEC. Hate the SEC. <laughs> I, I you know the SEC Assholes. is it really is. the SEC is is a fascinating thing because what you you just the way that you just describe that. I have a a good friend that is a I mean staunch staunch. Bama person. I mean, she is. Her, she drives a crimson uh, SUV, and she named it Saban. Okay, she's that. She is that yeah. dug in. And they shoot and stab each other over this stuff every year. It's I, crazy. I, I know. And but and she's talking when she's talking about um this whole thing, and, and you know that when we, and she came in on on Monday and I'm talking to her about it. And she's talking about this whole thing. And in, as I'm talking about now what the SEC championship game is going to be, because I'm now looking at the college playoff picture and how all this is going to shake out. And she's like, oh, man, I'm going to have to root for Georgia. I'm going to have to root for the Bull. I'm telling you, the hate for all of these teams that exist from yeah. all of the other teams, it is unique. It doesn't really exist in any other conference that I've seen. Everybody that is in this conference hates everybody. Else. It's not just a rivalry. There is a hatred. Yeah that transcends even the game of football i mean it they, they, yeah. the there's jo- only a few teams that like because most most i mean there are there which i never understood there are people and what's weird is it's this weird thing where people at the same time a lot of people they want the sec to win every week you know what i mean like if the sec is playing uh, you know texas or, or penn state or whoever whether it's a bowl game or the regular season or something or playing clemson they want the sec to win because the sec is the best and i know all you know everybody thinks their conference is great or whatever but at the same time they all like hate each other to the point of like they would do drive-by shootings of like you're the exactly right. house for the other team but like they still want i, I just don't get it I, got I don't want to i'm they... sick to my stomach every time i see that that Georgia or Alabama or LSU was the only teams that don't really bother me are Vandy and South Carolina because well, it's, right, like, yeah, it's like I mean in the last 10 15 years Tennessee I mean who cares about I was, Tennessee I was, and Kentucky, but Alabama Kentucky. hates Tennessee you get through, that's that's true they have this that, this this crazy that, that's their second biggest hate over uh, after Auburn is Tennessee see and I'm I'm right there with you on that I like for example you know being a Big Ten guy you know growing up I, Ohio State's my team I hate Michigan and. I don't like. I don't have. I get no pride, uh, and all of them. Iowa, Wisconsin. You know, the th- I I don't like any of them, and there doesn't yeah. it it doesn't like give me any good feels to think. Oh well, the Big Ten is doing well. If Michigan is playing USC or something, I'm not like rooting for Michigan because of the Big Ten. I hate Michigan. I would like yeah. to see them get destroyed by whoever they're playing at any time because I just do not like them, and that's yeah. true of any of the Big Ten teams. But you're right. In the SEC, there is that same level of visceral. Hey, you're right. People stab each other over this stuff and then but then but then there is at the same time there is this unique pride of well the sec is the best team or you know the best conference in in college sport it's like they want to have that prestige they just don't want any of the actual results to happen for it to get that way yeah. but it doesn't they, they, just, they want their cake you know they want to have their cake and eat it too and uh yeah it's i don't know i, I don't get it i i think um I had a point, but it just I just lost it. So whatever. Um, let's see. There's, a, there's one thing I did want to – two things I wanted to talk about really quickly. Jabril, Jabril Peppers, I've seen a lot of – there was an article written by uh, Pete Smith, who he's a really good follow on uh, Twitter if you're into the Browns. He does um, – I have the – what did I do? I, had, oh, I thought I had the article open. 
Um, he does. Uh, he works for Fansided or what is that site called? Something like that. Yeah. But uh, he read, he wrote a really good article on on like Jabril Peppers' struggles and how over the last couple of games he's done a lot better and that actually playing at free safety this year um, would be really good for Peppers if he is able. Let's say we draft a free safety and he's able to move to strong safety because he would have you know he's naturally better suited to play strong safety, but he would have an ex- the experience over the last um you know season of really understanding the cover the coverages and, and the responsibilities of what a free safety would do so it'd free up our other free safety more for blitzes and it gives us an opportunity to run more like cover two schemes and i thought it was a really good um article yeah it's on uh yeah nflspinzone.com um but you can go look up pete smith on uh twitter if you want to read the article he has a link on his thing but i'm interested to see because you know th- there's been so much um of a sense of disappointment in Peppers over the over this season, and I've just watching uh, the the games that I've watched. I mean, I've seen him make mistakes and take really bad angles and stuff like that. But I'm interested to watch the last two games more closely because uh, and see how he's looked. Would you? Um, well, I mean, what do you think about drafting a free safety or, or and moving Peppers versus? I mean, I, I honestly think he's been used poorly. Yeah, I think he's played poorly and he's been used poorly. So I do see the plus side of drafting somebody else and moving him to strong safety, but him having, you know, a good knowledge of what to actually do back there in, in the in the secondary now versus you know at, at Michigan. Well, maybe that and maybe that's the advantage of playing him at the the angel of death position. That that uh, so way stupid. It, it, it is. <laughs> you know, when when we drafted Peppers. You know, the initial reaction was, you know, outraged by everybody. But then we, we spent, you know, we, we took a deep breath. There was actually another guy. It might have even been that same guy, but uh, put out a video that really showed what Pepper's strengths were at Michigan, what he actually did. And for a lot of us, the assumption was that Peppers was going to play like the monster backer position or uh, the the extra um, cornerback in like a big nickel formation. where he yeah, would Kind of like what Kirksey did at Iowa. Yeah. Like kind of a linebacker but kind of a nickel corner yeah or like what mark Barron did with the rams the year before uh, uh williams oh. came over to here the, so that was what a lot of the assumptions were about what his role was going to be coming into the season and a lot of us just kind of assumed okay that's that that's the type of player that he turned Barron into he drafts peppers and that makes a lot of sense that he can do that because that's what his strengths are because obviously if you look at his college tape not really a whole lot there to suggest that he's able to cover from the safety position like you would expect him to do but then the preseason starts and here's the guy playing center field and not only is he playing center field he's playing 75 yards off the line of scrimmage and it's like well what the why why is he playing there well maybe the the coaches must know something that we don't know except every game for the first really up until the last couple of games when and i have to i have to give him because he may be listening and and i I have to uh give him credit because he may be listening i assume that all players are listening because you don't don't hey joe thomas i love you 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 don't know this but uh btb actually confirmed i saw the proof that miles garrett actually listened to one of his programs so you know oh yeah uh, yeah so i mean miles your neck is really thick 
thing is, it is. By the way, um, <laughs> I, and the thing is, is I I was I really was excited about the Pepper selection after I had a chance to kind of look at what he could do in this defense. But then when the season came along, he's playing a completely different role. And so then it's like, all right, well, it must be that this is the role that he's best suited for given his skill set. But then you see these mistakes that were piling up. And not just mistakes, but constantly being out of position, seeming like he's lacking uh, lacking instincts, taking terrible angles. But the thing is, is that he has shown... Some pretty, I think, remarkable improvement over the last couple of weeks, which would indicate to me that maybe it wasn't a huge deficiency on his part to begin with. Maybe it was a scheme issue. Maybe he was being put out of position. Yeah, I think he was. And I think that goes back to, you know, Hugh saying we don't have the personnel and stuff. But it goes, you know, to my point about that I don't, I don't, you know, and you, you said most people are saying the same thing. I don't like his play calling. And I think is, you know, how can, when we haven't, I mean, we've almost won one game, right? Because we were in overtime. But we've there's been a lot of games where we've been competitive at least for you could say at least half the game it was close, or you know we were playing well for. It's not like every game we get blown out, right? We we more or less are competitive for some portion of the game, um, yeah, yeah, and we end up always... losing by a you know like a like a usually we end up losing by like a touchdown and then a late field goal to put it up by ten points or whatever. The, the, the other team always covers, but we are rarely blown out. Yeah, so to me that that says there's you know that makes me think it's BS that he was saying we don't you know we got to do everything right to win we've got like you know I don't have the players equipped to run this package on the goal and all this stuff like if you're being competitive like if you if you lost every game but you've been competitive in like three quarters of them there has that says to me that that is the coach is not doing the best job right if he's he you you have the players to be somewhat competitive and then when you see that peppers is doing this and kaiser's doing that and whatever and you're you know like me if you're not happy with the way that kaiser's being or the you know the players are being called if you're not happy with the positions that they're putting greg i mean uh, not greg williams the positions greg williams is putting peppers in then it's they they know that peppers was not going to be ready to be a free safety week one in that position. They know he's, he doesn't, he's not good at man coverage and this kind of stuff. So like they were putting guy, you know, I mean, I'm okay actually with the, you know, if you think peppers need some time to, to, he needs some like, you know, NFL reps in the game to get better at free safety, then that, then that's fine. I don't, you know, I understand that, but at the same time, like you're, you know, you're putting, your i mean your safety is the safety you know what i mean yeah, he's, he's your last line of defense and so if you're putting out a guy there that you know is not necessarily able to do all the responsibilities then you're basically asking the defense to beat you deep you know what i mean yeah so i mean i feel i feel like the coaches there's it's i think it's really hard although i'm sure haslam will find a way i think it's really hard to defend the coaching as being the reason uh or uh, the coaching, uh, excuse me, the personnel being a problem more so than the coaching. When you look at everything, you know, as far as player utilization, our, our competitiveness, all those things, we're we're bad, but we're not we're not um, we're not bereft of talent. Awful. No. We don't look like a college team playing NFL football. We look like a bad NFL team. And you know what I mean? We what we have. <clears throat> look, I agree completely. And if it can, if it if it is a dichotomy between Hugh and Sashi, and I I. I 
am not looking at it that way. I don't assume that it it has to come down to one of those two. But if it does have to come down to one of those two, Sashi by like a million miles. It's not even yes. a little bit yes. close. Sashi, I think, has done a, a an amazing job building this roster. And I, okay, as soon as you say that, best on went don't have a quarterback, don't have wide receiver. I understand. I understand. But he rebuilt. No, no, he built. Because there was nothing to rebuild. There was nothing there. All right. He tore down yeah. a, a, a shack, a rusty shack that was was a, was a was a piece of garbage anyway. Tore that down and started with nothing. In two years' time, hey, he, has, hey, he had Joe Thomas. He, Don't he, you say nothing. Did have Joe? Okay, Joe Thomas and who else? Christian Kirksey, Joel Batonio. Uh, they don't matter. Danny he had Shelton. Joe Thomas. Uh, okay. I just want to put that out there in case Joe's listening. Joe, you are not nothing, my friend. Let's let's you are, say you are my everything. Let's say a handful. I love you, Joe of, of players. I love you too, Joe. You, 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 I I quite honestly love Joe Thomas. He's like a mem- <laughs> he's like a member of the family at this point. Um, but the the um, uh, and now you and now you have cost me to lose my train of thought. We might have to backtrack it over to. <laughs> <laughs> to, that's a, that's an accomplishment. The, there was maybe a half dozen guys that yeah. that realistically, and I think right now the number that may be exactly what it is. It may be like six or seven guys that are still on the team after we let Ibrahim Campbell go a couple of weeks that were on the team when these guys took over. So they have completely built this team. And if you look at it right now, outside of the three positions that we've talked about a lot on this show, quarterback, wide receiver, and safety, three positions that yes clearly have underperformed and in the wide receiver position you know at historically bad levels but what's interesting about all three of those positions all three of them could improve just by virtue of the players that we have on the team already either in the case of the wide receiver getting Gordon back and having a healthy uh, Corey Coleman and Kaiser and Peppers both developing those positions could actually improve themselves but beyond that okay even if you just taking those and not to mention the fact that we've got a bazillion draft picks and and, uh, you know a trillion dollars in cap space to go out and, and address those positions I seriously look at every other position group that is on this team and i don't see any other position group halfback tight end offensive line edge defensive line linebacker cornerback and special teams none of those position groups are ones that we could not win with if we had quality quarterback play um and then got you know improvements in those other two positions they are what i'm saying is that we have but for those three groups those three position groups a roster right now that could right win now, yeah. that could win well, now going forward i think we have to address the cornerbacks though because McCordy so. has, has played amazingly this year but he is older yeah he's not gonna Jamar taylor like started out looking okay he hasn't looked so great lately i, I like um what's his name body Bodie calhoun Bre- body calhoun bbc i baby. love that dude yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. We, we love I mean, BBC here on hitting the showers. He is, he, and he has. He is. He's. Uh, what's weird is the way. See, that's another thing. Okay, the, the the utilization of the secondary is flummoxing in this way. They put Peppers in a position where he totally seems that it wouldn't be the natural position for him. But then the cornerbacks that he, all year long has been McCordy and Taylor on the outside with BBC uh, playing on the uh, playing the slot or playing free safety. And it's it's like why would you not? I mean, but be, uh, Body Calhoun is so much. It's he just seems to be so much more situated to play on the outside and put Taylor on the, or play him on the outside, and put Taylor on the inside. But instead, it's been the exact opposite. I'm with you in the, in the sense that I don't think that you can count on McCourty playing at this level even beyond this year. Certainly for you know into the future. So yeah, look, okay, we could get. I, I'd be perfectly happy, enthusiastic about drafting a cornerback with one of the uh, five picks that we have in the top. 
top 65 this year. Yeah, so, I know a lot of people love Fitzpatrick out of Alabama, but I just can't want an Alabama player. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of red flags for Alabama players just generally because of the way that they run that system out there. I, and not, to, yeah. you know, not all of them uh, turn out uh, yeah. like that, but I think Saban just runs the hell out of them, and, and, and it is what it is. But as far as it goes, I mean, I'm saying we could we could upgrade that position. We could upgrade the running back position. We could upgrade any of them. Or we could use Duke Johnson better. Or, or use him more. I'm saying we could, we, could, we could upgrade any of the positions. But what I'm saying is that we are not so deficient at any of them that we couldn't win right now except for the quarterback, the, free, the, the safety, and the wide receiver position. Now, there's, there's a caveat to all of this. You know, Kaiser's a young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes, but he's not the only young player on the team. There's probably about 20 to 30 young players on this team, and they're all developing. And yeah. most of them are pretty much developing on time. But the reason yeah. that we are 0 11, the reason that we are sitting here without, in my opinion, is because we've got all of these guys that are all developing at different times, and they're all, to one degree or another, just making mental screw-ups and causing mistakes to happen at bad times. And while it's not... I mean, it, it, it therefore looks like uh, bad coaching yeah. and until we have a game last well, week where we don't I mean, commit a single like penalty you know yeah. but these well, guys there's all that and then when you have a bad you know he's a rookie right so I, it's not that i cut him it's not that i say it's okay because he plays bags he's a rookie but i think you just have to take that if you're being honest with yourself you have to take into account he's a rookie when you have all these young guys that are developing you know like you said they're gonna make mental errors and then when you add to it that you have bad quarterback play i mean that's like the nail in the coffin you know what yep. i mean yep and then when you do get you know occasionally good quarterback play you have horrific wide receiver play that nullifies the quarterback play and yeah. then and then on top of that you've got a team that and we've talked about this before too that i think that I, a very um uh, smart guy journalist actually told me a sports guy told me one time is a really shrewd observation that in in college you see this where a in bowl games you you see a team that if they go if, if something bad happens to them you know they get so up for these games they get so much emotionally attached and invested into it that if something bad happens early on it, it is almost it can be insurmountable for them i'll give you an example oklahoma played usc many many years ago for the national championship and and usc was heavily favored and oklahoma this is before they won any other championships so they were kind of you know new on the block and they were hanging with them for like the first quarter and a half you know even though everybody thought it was going to be a blowout and then uh they Wait, fought, what, what year are we talking this about? is like oh three oh something oh, like that four. it's it's yeah it's it's going back uh, the year that auburn was undefeated and was left out of the game oh okay cool so that's that's i'm, I'm yeah, glad so i remember vividly i'm glad that i brought up a a, a, a painful memory for but it's okay so in that game incredibly painful memory in that game um that was really the best team auburn ever had and, and we didn't go to the national go ahead and they were probably um like i say you know it was uh not either tied or you know they're they're hanging with them like it's it's a ball game and then oklahoma forces a punt and whoever it was it might have been the guy that we drafted anthony perkins but whoever it was muffed the punt and then usc recovered now all that ended up happening was it was a turnover they got the ball in good field position but the game was over from that point forward the game was over usc just rolled and oklahoma could never recover mentally now that peppers well that doesn't that doesn't happen as much in the nfl because they're all professionals but where it does happen and this is why the comeback last year by the patriots was so incredible when when you think about it this way is it happens in conference championship games or in the super bowl 
it hasn't happened so much over the last i don't know uh 10 years or so but back in you know when i was growing up it was very common for super bowls to be blowouts oh they're blowouts yeah. like every year and a lot of it had to do with and i remember the buffalo bills every year they would go to the super bowl and <laughs> i remember the, the, the that's my first uh football memory is like watching the first thing I can remember about watching football is watching the Bills in the Super Bowl getting like blown out. Wow! Like that, this, it was like the second year in a row at that point. That now that's amazing because the very I I have told the story before. My very first NFL game that I ever saw was the first Super Bowl that they were in, Super Bowl twenty five against the Giants, and they almost won that game. But then they lost. They go back the next year, and that was the thing. They're playing the Cowboys, or when they played the Redskins, um, you know, they would be hanging with those teams. And then something bad would happen, and then it was just a a snowball. I think that our that the Browns, because they are so young, because they are all developing, and because they have this enormous pressure of every you know you're Owen Owen six Owen nine Owen now we're Owen eleven, and there's this enormous pressure on top of the fact that they're all trying to like you said, and then there's there's bad quarterback play on top of it that when something bad happens, it ha- it tends to have a snowball effect it's it's like you know if we make i think that uh this just happened i forget which game it was it was one of the recent ones where we muffed a punt and you might as well just given the 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 team that we were playing the touchdown because they just yeah. walked in after that because is our, there anything more to in fairness i mean i think you, you know you have to be able to to move on to the next play as a pro but is there anything more deflating than a muffed punt I mean, your defense just like, stopped them, you know, and and the, and you're yeah, gonna get the ball back, and, and yeah, and yeah, and not not and only they're punting it deep into the, you know, the whole point yeah. of a punt is that you're punting it deep into your own territory. That's true, or uh, their territory. Yeah, but it's I'm, oh, yeah. yes, it's that that's you, when you muff. Here's my thing: when you muff a punt, what kills me is when you muff it and you don't get it. You got to dive on the ball. You got to be a muff diver. <laughs> and that is uh is is the, the i've been trying to work to that, that point for the that, last that is the seal minutes. of this program this this inaugural program that is that, that we're gonna have to try to work that in every single time because that that was <laughs> that was absolutely a thing of beauty you're right it is probably the most deflating if that or the safety maybe because you give up points and you have to give the ball back um may, may be the most deflating but i'm saying stuff like that whether it's you know a, a fumble in the red zone or that's actually been been a lot of it this whole year is we're hanging with the team and then you know kaiser throws a pick in the red zone and it just it just or hogan when he was in there for a little bit would throw the pick six and that just killed you know everything we had and this this is a team that while it's not talent deficient while i don't i haven't come to the conclusion that the entire coaching staff is is you know bad i don't think that the roster is terrible but the reason that we are where we are is a combination of those things you've got young players all of them are developing you've got this enormous pressure you've got bad play from very key positions like quarterback and wide receiver and the safety position and then on top of that you've got these bad oh and and you throw in there some of the worst luck i mean it's it's typical for us bad luck and you have to say you know it's it's not all their fault but there's been some bad officiating in some of our games too it's not it didn't necessarily cost us the game but i mean there's been bad officiating it's just been it's it's been a shit show. Yeah, I don't like I mean? to I, I don't like to complain about uh you know I I tend to look at it like it all tends to even out. Um, but there, I mean, it's it's it also is kind of a, a respect thing, you know. I mean, when I remember when Tom, yeah, Brady, I think because we're bad, we get more bad, we get more call because they expect us to be bad. They expect you to mess up. And I wouldn't be surprised if that game we had against the Jaguars, where we didn't get penalized at 
all. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the league hearing from so many fans saying, "Can you? Can you be- look? At, I'm going to show you this still frame of Duke Johnson holding the football while your referee is pointing the other direction, or you know, Terrell Pryor, uh, you know, trying to uh, to to throw the ball to the referee and it accidentally hits a Ravens player and he gets 15 yard penalty at the end of the game. You know, stuff like that. Where I, I wouldn't surprise me if the league way overcompensated and said, "Okay, unless unless Sean Coleman like." grabs the guy by the face mask and drags him to the ground in front of you you're not going to throw a flag on anything and you know try to help the browns it wouldn't surprise me if they do that because of the the stigma that's attached to it but then last week it goes right back to you know the and i'm not yeah. look, at the end of the game last week this is this is a good point that we've talked about on, on chow a lot this week at the end of the game last week the peppers hit yeah it it shouldn't have been a penalty if you're looking at the the rule book you know the way that that rule is supposed to be applied that should have been a legal play at the same time i have seen it called but even more importantly than that taylor was straight up interfering with him so you know it kind of was like and and also i'm gonna throw another part of this into that in that situation even if it is a penalty, I want Peppers to do what he did there because yeah. a 15-yard penalty is not first and goal at the three necessarily in that in that situation. And if you yeah. knock the ball out of the guy's hands, okay, I'm sorry to give up 15 yards, but the guy didn't catch the ball, did he? And yeah, maybe that's a scuzzy way to play, but that's kind of how the Steelers and the Ravens play. And while we hate them, they do well, tend to kick our face in regard, It wasn't a dirty. There's no, I mean, to me... No, I'm, I'm just yeah, saying that, like that, you that, say, that you attitude. You take that chance, but it, it wasn't dirty or anything. No, it wasn't yeah. dirty at all but i'm just saying even oh i guess i guess i probably should have thrown in there that i I wouldn't care if it was a little bit dirty but if it it, it, the way that he did it uh was certainly you know uh, all above board it shouldn't have been called but you know what at the same time that's not why we lost that game we did not lose that game because jabril peppers got hit with a with a and we didn't lose the it almost never comes down to one play if if you look at the over the course of the game there was all kinds of other stuff that happened that had we done if Corey coleman catches the damn ball or if we don't get hit with the pass interference penalty you know down in um if we don't commit the penalty if we um or you know conversely if that phantom uh you know block in the back thing doesn't happen on the the pac-man jones um uh punt return or conversely if we don't have to take our punter out and have our kicker shank a 25 yard punt which ends up leading directly to points for them you know if but again the game is if if you know like they say if my if my aunt had a thing she'd be my my uncle and i'm uh, that's not the the point here to play if ands or buts you know it happened the way that it happened and your record are is you are what your record says you are but it all there is a large story that goes into the outcome of every game it never just comes down to one game and when people kind of fixate on one thing that happens in a game and and get you know all aggravated about this player not doing that uh in that situation or the coach making a stupid play there was a lot that led up to that there was a lot that led up to i mean they won the game 30 to 16 so it's not like you know we were in the catbird seat and then you know got got robbed at the end like has happened to us in the past Mm-hmm. Um, we just got beat by a better team, and it's, you know, I mean, there's reasons that it happened. Um, I mean, for that game particularly, it has a lot to do with the fact that we're missing two of our best defensive players with Collins and Ogba. Um, yeah. You know, and... Yeah, so, that sucked, losing Ogba. Yeah, Ogba was having a great year. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a really... And sh- uh, I'm really um, very happy with how Shelton has played, too. Uh, the last thing I wanted to get into, which is kind of piggybacking on your point earlier about that, you know, I agree with you that I, I think... 
uh, Sashi has done a relatively overall a good job with drafting and stuff. So, you know, but a lot of people, not a lot, but I've seen people say that, you know, you know, we don't have enough impact players. We haven't done that well. We're dr- trading down too much instead of getting players. So I thought it would be fun just to go back to the beginning of Haslam's tenure. And uh, the next time we can maybe talk about Farmer. But I just wanted to look back, just to give people some perspective, take a look back at the drafts that we had before Sashi became, you know, our draft guy. Starting with the 2013 season, because I looked at this last night. Do you remember the 2013 draft? Now, granted, it was a historically bad draft in general, but... Um, as far as what you know, we also did, or? this time we had um, you know Joe Banner, Mike Lombardi, who everybody hated Lombardi. A lot of people didn't like Banner, but um, their first year we drafted Mingo yep. at six, Leon McFadden, yeah, <laughs> Morris Slaughter. Oh wow, I forgot all about him. Guy from Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah, Armani Bryant, who I I like. I mean, yeah. he obviously was a knucklehead, but I I liked him as well, a player a lot. He's, he's out there getting pressure for Pete for uh, Detroit right now. Is he? Yep. And I then uh, Garrett Gilkey. So, you know, it, granted, this is just one class, but we, we will look in the future, folks. We will look at some other drafts. But, you know, if you look at – you compare that to the 2016 in uh, Cleveland Browns draft. Let's see. That's a, that's a big zero-burger, by the way. There was no – none of those draft picks ended up – and by the way, my, my standard of, of evaluating the success or failure – I mean, I've often talked about the three-year rule of, of how mm-hmm. long you should take to evaluate a player. But as far as just straight up looking at whether or not a, a draft pick or is successful or not for us, just mm-hmm. be on the team for three years. If you're just on the team for three years – and I Well, think, you would say – I would say Armani Bryant, considering he was a seventh-round pick. Actually, Bryant. Bryant was he, a good pick that year. That's yeah. Really. So I mean, considering he he made an impact uh, for us, uh, you know, or you know, he was a he was a good rotational player for us on the defensive line for for a few years. So he I, mean, I would say talent. he was a uh, he was he know. was a good edge uh, rusher, but he had you know he just he, yeah. I, I forget which regime it was. He had the he crazy. He had such time. a great motor. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I liked Armani yeah. Bryant a lot, he, and we, uh, uh, you know, might have gotten something out of Mingo. Uh, <laughs> but oh. you know, that, that was one of those things too, though. Is that? But you know, I, I wanted Deion Jordan, and look at look at that. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and, I mean, there was just there was nobody. And, I mean, besides Ansa, there was nobody. Well, really that was the thing take. is that Deion Jordan, Ezekiel Anza, and Mingo were the three premier. And you're right, Jordan. And a lot of was, people wanted D. Milliner. Can you imagine that oh, if we had drafted D. Milliner? I mean, I guess they would have been better than Gilbert, but not by much. Well, and you know who the top quarterback was that year, right? Yeah, uh, what's his face out of FSU? Uh, I, I can't remember his name. Emmanuel. EJ Emanuel, right? that's right. And yeah, he EJ was Man. and he was not expected to even go in the first round. The first quarterback that was everybody was expecting to take was Geno Smith. So yeah, that that draft was um, that 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 that. Yeah, that that draft yeah. that that there's not really a whole lot of redeeming qualities, like you say, except for Armani Bryant. So, so what we're going to do this what? every week? We're going to look at a different uh, draft class in Browns history, and yeah, yeah. I thought that'd be fun. <clears throat> that that's, that sounds like now. Here, here's something um, that that might be of interest to you because you say you haven't been on the Chows for the last couple days, so that means that you haven't seen or or viewed anything that I've I've uh, put up there. <clears throat> No, I would generally skip your comments anyway. But which is which is probably smart. You have been asking the questions of me this entire time, so I, which is great. That's how we're going to format this when we do this uh, uh, show each week. But I'm going to ask you a question now. We made the draft. There's a lot of hand wringing, a lot of um, you know navel gazing, caterwauling, just overall 
uh, puffery and uncomfortability over our an agitation over our not having drafted Carson Wentz, and mm-hmm. instead uh, our having uh, traded out like we did. And ultimately, we traded from number two to number eight in that 2016 draft and then traded from number eight to number 15 and in the process picked up a ton of draft picks, a lot, and we still have some of them. So mm-hmm. here's, my, here's my question to you. Um, the day that that happened, uh, DBN, the, the site that we both uh, frequent and that you and I actually commented on this very article, they posted the article of the breaking story of us... Uh, trading the pick, the number two overall, to the Philadelphia Eagles. All right? Mm-hmm. In that article, there was a poll. And the poll was, do you approve of this trade, yes or no? What Now, with, th- with hindsight, almost two years of hindsight, and a lot of people listening to this know the answer to this, what do you think the respondents, the results of that poll were? What do you think, and there was almost 5,000 people that voted in in this poll, what do you think the vast, and it wasn't, well, what do you think the the results of that poll were? Um, Just based on what I know about the time, I would say probably that people were okay with the trade down because Wentz was an, in a lot of people's minds, he was an unknown because of being from North Dakota State, and um I mean, I know people have been aggravated with us trading down, but, you know, people are – because we got such a good haul from the uh, Eagles trade, I think most people were were okay with it, I would say. So what would you – at the time. Put, put a number on it. What would you say that the ratio was of a yes or no? Uh, 70% yes to the trade. 90 to 10. Oh. 90 yeah. to 10. That was – which was uh, about like four uh, forty three hundred to almost 400. It ended up being something like that. Uh, that, which okay, we're, I was gonna say eighty at first, but I was like, that's probably too high. <laughs> Ninety, to, and then you go through the comments, and there, there now there were um, quite a few very committed. You know, G and T was crusty as all get out like he normally is, and so he was ah and pads. He was he was not loving it. Um, but I'm saying that the vast he majority wasn't loving it. He wasn't manly and loving it. No, that he was he, he wasn't pun. anything. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. We miss pads, by the way. Pads, if you're out no, that's a horrible thing. Is he, is he still isn't around? No, he's been. Yeah, he's been. He's still. Well, you know what's going on there. Is he? He basically bolted. Well, two things happened there. And if you don't know who we're talking about here, it's our brother uh, Padua DSP, who was always um, you know a mainstay on uh, DogsByNature.com. He he kind of when this whole Moneyball thing started up, he literally one day was like, <clears throat> "All right, I know where this is going. I don't feel like arguing with everybody for the next." two years i'm going to come back in 2018 when we're actually going to start making some noise and basically went to spend all of his time on let's go tribe and uh, focus on the indians who of course have been uh, one of the best teams in the american league the last couple of years so that's where he is at and that's where he is spending his time and putting his attention i'm hoping that with the offseason in full effect for baseball that he'll come back and uh, join us because he was always good for for um well he, he was really always good for arguing with me about literally everything all the time which I enjoyed, and I don't really get that anymore. But uh, be that as it may, that article was was, was going back and taking a look at it, the takes that people had that day. And the reason... I I can guarantee that I said I was fine with it. 
Yeah, you had somebody. You had actually um, somebody had actually po- pointed out something that you had said that was uh, kind of funny. I'd have to find it here because uh, it was it was a prediction that was that was kind of ludicrous. But uh, it, 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 whatever. I mean, a lot of people said a lot of things that were, you know, that's what I said. I forget what it is. Not actually, it's not that I forget. I'd have to go back and look it up. But the uh, the point is is that things don't happen with the, you know the full view of you know historical context in light while they're happening we made the trade at the time you know based on the calculations that we could make at that time we we couldn't make that trade in the future we couldn't make that trade in the past we made it when we made it with the information and knowledge that we had yeah. and the vast i mean the overwhelming majority it wasn't close. It was, you know, landslide territory. Wanted, yeah. you know, thought that it was a good idea. Just like the over, I mean, universal. There was like one guy, OCB, uh, OCBB, who wanted um, Matt Patricia instead. Everybody else wanted Hugh Jackson to be the head coach of this team. And now I like here we Patricia. are. I think I said I wanted Patricia. Just for the record, I was I was good with Patricia. I actually agree with OCBB a lot, which is which is uh, terrifying. I agree with I agree with OCBB on on most everything. Him and, and how weird is it that out of the DBN Network folks, the only the two that I have met in person, and it was at the same time, <laughs> is Brownie's year, uh, aka the Rob Tillnot hour that yeah. was recorded once or twice. Yeah, and it was uh, never an hour OCBB. Either. What a, what an odd like. You know, three. Well, I don't want to say threesome because that sounds. Oh, Ohio uh, City. What an odd menage a trois. An Ohio um, City Browns believer. By the way, that guy is awesome. He went and uh, I, I was, I was, I was uh, regaling people with my um, uh, auto accident experience, where the dude. Uh, slammed into to my door, and I was I was talking to um, I, I was talking about it on the chow because uh, guy asked about it, and I was you know kind of you know going over the whole thing. And this guy OCBB was like, look, in the first place, you probably screwed up by talking to the insurance company, uh, you know, all right, but you know let me know i can help you with this and i'm like man that's that's that that's cool that he's a that is a cool guy i yeah. he's got kind of a no, sense he's, of humor. he's a great guy in person he, he has a little bit of a uh, sardonic i don't know i think i think you know i don't I think, think people, he can be people, a little i don't i don't, I, I don't, I don't think, think he's being sarcastic but i, I don't know i think I, he I, can I, just come across a little strong i don't think people written. get a sense of humor and, and i think yeah. that a lot of time he's trying to be jocular and people take it as being uh, you know, rude or insensitive or or caustic or whatever, and he's Smarmy. just yeah, and he's just trying to crack wise, and then people come at him, you know, with both barrels ablazing. Is I, I've, but you know, he's him. The dude's and, right a lot about players. I can tell you that much. Though, he when it comes to like evaluating players. He's he knows what he's talking about. Not only that, but uh, contracts and you know, uh, uh, players and their positions within not not their positions that they play, but their positions as they stand contractually with each one of their teams. I mean, the dude knows like everything about everybody um and he and bupalis bupalis uh are the two guys that (laughs) there's i i I don't know how to say the guy i don't know how the guy says his name i don't Uh, know i always i always read it as buffaloes there you go could it could be that it seems like those are the two guys that almost always uh i'm I'm in if if not complete you know like 80 to 90 percent agreement with like those are the two guys that i find that i'm in that i'm in my most agreement with on any at any given time on any given subject which is funny because you and buffaloes are probably like the most like polar opposite as far as personality 
You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. He he gives me uh, a lot of good-natured ribbing from uh, from time to time. <laughs> the, the Sandy Duncan eye thing was 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 classic. But now, and he is a different. Yeah, he, which I think is great because that, that's the, the thing about the Chow is that it's like a, a you know a, a tapestry of all these different um, personalities. I mean, I love it when when Farm Fest is on there um, debating with Bup or OCBB because they're just totally different people. You know, like everybody on there is, and and uh, Big Tom Brown, they're just totally different guys. And Darth and. And there's all there's like this entire contingent of lawyers that are on there, and then there's and then there's Chuck, who who does the, the hate lawyer routine, which I you know, by the mm-hmm. way, guys, he's trolling you like crazy when that's happening. I mean, I I, I hate to break the act because it's hilarious when it's going on, but that's that's a, like one big giant troll. Job. But anyway, either way, uh, yeah, he's I, a, he's like he's like the best troll in DBN history. He's like yeah, he's 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 as good a troll on DBN as Corey is in real life. But the the uniqueness of the people that are there and the ver- the divergent opinions that that make up that place really, I mean, that, to me, that is what makes being a Browns fan worth it because it ain't been I honestly watching this team now going on you know like I say 25 years and the last you know 18 19 of which have been you know about as bad as has ever existed it's the the interaction with the other people that are watching this with me that makes it worth it otherwise if I was doing this in a vacuum I probably would have given it up a, a while ago yeah Hence why, there's a good little uh, segue to close out the show, hence why we are doing the DBN Network, right? Why you came up with the idea, because of the divergent opinions, but the good discussion, and the fact that even though we've been terrible, like, it's amazing. Like, we still want to talk about this team, you know? You know, there's a guy that actually, and, and, and I, I love this guy, and he's a, he's a devoted listener. It's uh, Sassanok. I'm, I'm almost positive that's how you say the guy's name. This this dude. Um, we need people to help us out on DBN. All right, if you post on the Chow or on any of the uh, DBN Network articles regularly, please put a comment with how to pronounce your damn name. You know, if it's any kind of weird spelling, just do the little thing you know where they no, I you like put gu- it in brackets and you put like the no. you like guessing at the name. You can you can do that for for him. I, I like guessing at your name. So do, you know what you can do it for him if you want to. But you know if you're gonna comment, just you know make make your name as weird as possible because I'm I'm good with guessing. I'm I'm, I'm great with all okay, of it. Fair enough. But but Sasanak, he um he I think he actually did uh, confirm that that was the, the correct pronunciation at one time. The first time that I that I heard of this guy, the first time that he kind of introduced himself to you know us um it was a, chris like the, like the female sasquatch uh, i don't know, you know what i mean it's like we had the sasquatch that. and then you know we we uh, theorized that he mated with the sassanok it sounds like a like an english city which is probably it's just probably exactly yeah, what fair, it is yeah. but he's um he he uh he came to an article that chris had wrote because there was this thing that happened uh while you were gone during the spring that was why i am a browns fan it was a bunch of fan posts from you know just anybody and it was a, a big sbn thing that they were doing with all of the mm-hmm. the teams and sassanot came in during the introductory article and he's like you know what um, I was a, a football fan back in the 90s, and I watched the Eagles because they were the team that was uh, uh, that that was shown in my area of England that I was watching the team. I think he's from England, and if he's not from England, I'm glad that I'm saying he's from England just because I like to, to rip on people that way. But he's saying that, you know, in the it was okay, but he, you know, it, eventually the, the cable company switched, and he went back to watching soccer. Well, then, much like fourth, there was some kind of 
something happened, the league broke up, somebody killed somebody, and he's like, I'm done with soccer. And he decided, I'm going to go back to watching the NFL. So he went to start following the Eagles, because that was a team that he had followed back when he was watching football back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And he found, and so in doing so, he would go to the fan sites to try to get some, you know, some... um, you know, some perspective on the team and get some knowledge and, and get up to speed on where they are and, and the culture and so on. And what he found was that there was this air of uh, not superiority. That wasn't the term that he used. There, w- there was almost this uh, sense of entitlement that these fans mm-hmm. had, that they were all uh, and they were all just whining about everything. And, he, and then he decided to go check out some other teams and he found basically the same thing. That they were all kind of like this just, uh, just crying about everything and, you know, feeling like they should have everything handed. To, and it was just it was like it was very off-putting. And it really was not what the experience that I had, that I remember before being like at all and he was about ready to just you know give up completely and then he found our place and he's mm-hmm. like, okay, now this was a totally different vibe. <laughs> These people, you know, you had you had the gallows humor. You have the underdog spirit. You've got guys that basically show up every day knowing what their fate is going to be. And for the most part, they're just there to rip on each other and have a good time in each other's company. And one of the th- and this was the uh, the the I don't know the 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 thrill, the honor, you know, of of the the whole reason for doing this whole network thing was was for me validated with him saying this and then i listened to one of the podcasts that was put up and it it caused me to realize that this was my team this was the team that i was meant to follow because y'all are just like me and i and that that whole that you're right that is why we started the network and that is the reason honestly that we have i mean we all of the people that come together on that site that you know getting the chow i mean we're people from all over the world i'm right now i'm in tampa Manley's in uh west palm or miami's you know down down in that area i'm not actually boca sure Raton. Bo- boca that's right we got uh, our our friend Corey's out in Seattle. Our friend Fourth is out in uh, uh, out in Eastern Europe, out in Budapest, with, along with Kiwi. We got Apoc, who's in Singapore. We've got um, yeah, I'm sure I'm. Oh well, Irish Brown is from you know Ireland. Obviously, we got Aussie Brown. We got people literally from all over the world that are following this team, including every square inch of the continental uh, United States and Hawaii and Alaska. We've got literally everybody from every walk of the of the entire planet that comes to this site to because it doesn't matter about the location. It it's, it matters about you know the connection that you have with that team. And look. When the day comes that we actually do put out a winner, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be marvelous. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. But for right now, the thing that sustains me with all of this is just the people that that I you know that I continue to interact with that I know are going through this same thing with me that we can all look at each other and scratch our heads and say, How in the hell can this happen? I mean, what new and crazy way are we going to, you know, see this failure happen this time? But then there is that that also, this is the other thing that, that Sassanok pointed out. Then at the same time, at the same time that you have all of that, you also have that faint, no matter how ridiculous, you have that faint bit of optimism. That faint bit of, you know what, maybe, maybe this is the week that we're going to turn this together. Maybe this is the, and all of that together, all of that together is what being a Browns fan is all about, to me anyway. Um, I can't even imagine what 
the podcasts are going to be like if we ever actually start winning. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> you know I mean? so far we've been doing this. Well, you've been doing it especially for a year straight, over a year. I've been, you know, I've done. I don't know, probably 30 shows at this point, maybe not quite that many. But, uh, you know, every single one has been, well, not every single one. One glorious. 26 out of the 27 have been after a loss. One glorious (laughs) Christmas Eve broadcast. And you know what? That was the. (laughs) I wasn't even even around then. I wasn't even doing shows then, so I didn't get to partake in that. And that was was on Christmas Eve, which I had spent with, you know, uh, friends of the family at a church ceremony. And I was out until like late into the evening and wasn't able to even post a program until like two o'clock in the morning, which was actually on Christmas Day. And that was our that was our one glorious time that I actually had to that will. Well, that and draft day because you know draft day is obviously the uh you know the biggest day of the year yeah uh, but that yeah. and look here here's that is going to be um the the part of this that's going to be great because if we stick with this plan i really do believe that we are going to turn this thing around and we are going to be good we you know when it happens uh i'm i, I think i think legitimately if we keep this group together next year we're going to see the team start winning some games. By winning some games, I'm talking about getting to, like, 500. Not necessarily a winning season. Maybe a winning season, but I'm talking, like, six, seven, eight, nine range is what I'm looking at. But then the following year, that's when the light comes on. That's when we start stomping people out. And if you look at the the uh, tr- the, the prog- again, go by position group by position group, and look at where the players are right now, and consider that next year a lot of these guys are going to start entering their second and th- their third and fourth year in the league, and they're already showing a lot of signs of competence at a lot of these positions. I'm not saying that all of them are going to improve and get better, but a lot of them are, and maybe most of them are. And if not, man, we've got a ton of draft picks, we got a ton of cap space, we've got all of the ingredients to get this thing turned around i mean of course we're the browns we could still screw it up but you know um it's going to be a lot of fun when we do get this thing turned around because then then we can come to these th- and then we can be the ones that are complaining about well you know we won but you know kaiser didn't look you know he could he only completed 60 percent of his passes and you know he only had like an nea of like 6.5 you know we, we can we can we can you know ruminate on the idiot you know the idiotic thing oh it'll happen too it how quickly people happen. get adjusted to winning absolutely you know what i mean remember it's, Hoyer it's crazy. <laughs> that was that was the epic battle of all time and we were winning at least for a little while what was it the hoyer manzel Oh, the battle yeah, of 2014. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Mr. Easy, we I really appreciate you. Uh, well, that came out weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thanks for joining me. Hopefully, we will. Like I said, we plan to do this in the future. Um, this has been hitting the showers on the DBN network. Anything you want to say before we, before we punch out? I'm just so glad we're going with that name. That's awesome. <laughs> Look, I mean, look. After after a game, what is the after a hard practice? The coach says, "All right, everybody, hit the showers." So that's what this shows. This is after a long, hard week of being a Browns fan. Me and Mister Easy Weave can get together, talk talk a little BS. And, uh, right. and we're going to record in the middle of the week, and, and yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's after the game. Look, at, I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's, thank you, <laughs> thank, thank you, Manly. I appreciate uh, the, uh, the the opportunity and, and so forth. This is this is a good idea, and uh, look forward to, uh, to trying to keep up on a weekly basis. Your program will be coming out. the the Ma- The Manly by Nature show will be coming out over the next couple of days. I am assuming. And uh, yeah, I recorded earlier today. Yep, my, actually, my mine is always right after the games on Sunday. 
Sunday, so uh, you know you can get some perspective on why we just lost. Uh, if you, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure that uh, Manly will will do this uh, as well. You know, in, in all of his uh, interactions on the air, but you know, hit us up on the Twitter account. You know, the, the DBN Network. Hit us up on Facebook, the DBN Network. You can you can you know you can be my friend on Facebook if you if you wanna. Um, but most importantly, you know, if you feel like you you know if, if you feel like any idiot can do this, hey, you're right. You are totally totally completely exactly right. It, it is absolutely the case. Shoot me an mm-hmm. email, easyweave at gmail.com and you will you know we'll hook you up. We can we're we are looking for more voices. And you know what? That's another thing that I think when the winds start to come, there's going to be more voices because there's going to be more. And, and I, look, I don't. I'll, I will close this. I will close my my part of this by saying I don't blame anybody for being apathetic or despondent or in a bad mood or in anything else with regards to this team. They've given us every reason for that um i just choose to not you know be that way but that doesn't mean that i'm better than anybody else or that uh you know anything other than just i don't like being in a bad mood all the time (laughs) which is seems to be anathema to being a fan of the cleveland browns but whatever it's uh, it's the lot and light that i've chosen because i was uh, you know i was born in northeastern ohio but uh, with that good talking with you Mm, you too goodbye joe thomas i love you and I'll, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Much love, everybody. You too, Miles. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Check it out. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. 
You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.